wonderful Christmas with our family and uh, just, just had some good time with our kids hanging out. Um, got to visit with some family from out of state, which is a lot of fun. And so pray that you really had a, a good Christmas. And I know for a lot of people, they take time off over this week. Uh, I know we have a number of teachers in, in the church, and I know this is a nice little gap right in the middle of the year. So just pray blessing on you as you continue to rest. Um, but it is, it's the last Sunday of the year, and we're going to talk this morning about looking for the new. Looking for the new. You know, it's, we come to the, the end of a year and look to the new year. It's As a pastor, you look at all of these messages that um, fall on days and times where there's significant events. Of course, Christmas and Easter are the, the two big ones, but then you get Mother's Day and Father's Day and, and uh, you know, the 4th of July and different Thanksgiving. And of course, the New Year is one of those. And, and we understand this, that there's seasons. Anyone feeling the season right now? It's a, it's a little chilly, isn't it? It's funny, my wife's uh, brother and his family from Anchorage are down visiting and have hit the theme parks, right? Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm. Um, and, and it's all of the out-of-state folks who don't realize that's like the absolute worst. It was, it's crowded in those parks right now. But it's funny, people, they'll come down and, and people say to us, oh, your family from Alaska, they must not get cold because, you know, they're from Alaska. But the reality is, cold is cold. <laughs> cold is cold. And one of the things we have here in California is that it'll go from 70 degrees during the day to 40 at night. That's a huge swing. And you end up being cold. And there's, there's so we, we understand seasons, right? We Even in California, we get that there's seasons in life. And um, seasons in the weather, and we have seasons in life and seasons throughout the year where certain things are maybe a little more at the forefront of our thinking than other times of the year. And as we come to this season of the new year, looking into 2019, you know, standing at the end of 2018, maybe looking back over this year, taking an account of what's happened, what, what went the way that I thought it would go, what didn't go according to plan, because we all have those, right? saw that going differently in my mind. Things that were good surprises and maybe things that weren't great surprises along the way. And taking stock of the last year and then looking into the new year and really saying, God, what is it that you have for me this next year? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah 43 and Habakkuk 2. Isaiah 43 and Habakkuk 2. They're both in the Old Testament. They're both prophets in the Old Testament. Maybe you've never turned to Habakkuk before. Maybe you can't say Habakkuk, but that's okay. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Habakkuk 2, and, and so we're going to take a look at that this morning. Looking for the new. You know, as a culture, we're pretty obsessed with new, aren't we? We like new. In fact, uh, our, our economy is really driven by the fact that we love new. And we, we even have phrases like, New and improved. New and, it cracks me up. You go to the grocery store and it's like new and improved, new and improved, new and improved. We've made something new and it's better than the thing we had last time, which we told you was the best thing ever. And so, but we improved on it and it's just getting better. You see it a lot in electronics. In fact, I was watching a documentary about the 80s. The other day, and it was, it was funny and a little scary to realize I remember that season of time. Um, and they, they started talking about how quickly technology was developing, that the computer chip every six months was doubling its capacity, doubling its power, doubling its speed. And so what ended up happening is that people would hesitate to buy something because they knew in six months something twice as fast would come out. Something else. Has anyone here ever waited a few months to buy a, a piece of technology, right? Because you knew something, right? There's a few hands going up. I, I've been there. Has anyone ever regretted buying something because the next week they released, right? And you're like, oh man, this is so slow. <laughs> Recognizing that 15 years ago this didn't exist. This didn't exist. We, we're having conversations face-to-face -face around the world. When I was a kid growing up in Africa, if we wanted to call someone in the U.S., 
you called on a land, you like had to figure out like what the best time to call was, of course. And then you, you had to dial like 50,000 numbers into their rotary dial phone. And, right? Anyone, and then you're like, and then you're keeping track of the minutes. Because you're just like, this is costing me an arm and a leg. And then there was the delay. You guys remember the delay? If you call coast to coast, and, and, and then you got that moment where you're like, you all both start talking at the same time, and you get caught in that, like, like that, that no man's land, and then you realize that this awkward silence is costing you dollars. Yeah, like that technology. Anyway, technology is moving so fast, and we want the new. We want the latest. We want the greatest. We want... The best. And, and now here's the thing, new can be fun. Right? I'm sure you got some stuff for Christmas that was new that you are enjoying. We got our boys uh, drones, little cheap, not, not like really expensive, just little cheapo kind of throwaway drones. We're like, this will be fun. And they got some cool clothes and stuff for Christmas. But, you know, I, I, I know boys. I'm a boy. I'm like, I want something I can play with. And so we've had three drones flying through our house um, all, all week. New can be really fun. A new toy, new technology, uh, new cars. Like we even have a term for the smell, right? New car smell. And, and you can go buy an air freshener and hang it in your old car. Not the same, is it? No. New house. New can be a lot of fun. But new can also be a little scary. You can also affect our, our nerves, maybe a new job, moving to a new city or for a kid going to a new school, and even standing at this point looking into a new year wondering, will this next year be like this last year? Or maybe for some of you, you go, wow, the ne- if, that, if this next year is the same, it would be awesome. But for some of us, maybe going, I don't want this next year to be like the last year. New can also distract us. New can lead us to a place where we're discontent and dissatisfied. It's amazing how quickly new wears off, isn't it? I get something new and, and how quickly I can look at it and go, I'm, I'm already bored with this. I'm already looking for the, the next new thing. Here's the thing. We serve a God of the new. We serve the God of the new. In fact, God talks about new all throughout Scripture, from the beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelation, where in Genesis He creates the earth, He forms it, and He speaks it, and He, he makes man, and He breathes life. The new, that, that there was nothing, and then there was something. All the way through Revelation, where He talks about a new heaven and a new earth. God is all about new. God loves New, he talks about new life. God loves creating new life. He talks about us as being a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. That God makes us new. He gives us new promises. He gives us a new heart. See, God's not just trying to make you a better you. He's trying to make you a new you, a completely transformed you. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, prophet says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, uh, from you, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my degrees and be careful to keep my laws. Ezekiel looking forward to what Jesus would accomplish for us on the cross. And then ultimately as Jesus would ascend and, and, and the Holy Spirit would come. He says, I'm going to do something new in you and it's going to be amazing. Your heart is going to be transformed. I'm going to give you a new heart. Give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you my spirit. Lamentations tells us that his mercies or his compassions are new every morning. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. You know that? That you are not consumed, you are not overwhelmed because of God's great love. For his compassions never fail. 
Listen to this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's newness is available to us every day. That every day is a gift from Him. A new day to experience His mercy and His compassion. He has new commands for us. Jesus says in John 13, 33, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus introduced a lot anew. There was a lot of things that he brought into the scene that people hadn't seen before. New opportunities, new calling, new vision, new assignments, all of these things that God has for us. In fact, we see in the, in the Old Testament the call of Abram. God comes to him and he says, Abram, leave your family. Leave the land that you know. Leave everything behind and follow me to a land that I will show you later. How many of us would be like, yep, nope, thanks, I'm good, right? If you're not going to tell me where we're going, I'm not going with you. God says, no, I'm calling you and I'm going to lead you into something new, but I'm not even going to tell you the whole story yet. I'm not even going to tell you what the destination is yet, but you need to trust me and and follow me, and he gives Abraham a new call, a new vision, and, and ultimately a new life, and makes a new nation out of him. So here's the thing, God's new doesn't always look like our new. God's new doesn't look like our new. And it doesn't accomplish in us the same, the same things. See, when I'm looking for new objects, new toys, new hobbies, new whatever, it's usually to satisfy something in me that's dissatisfied. But when God starts introducing new, it's bigger than that. It settles my fear. It calms my nerves. It gives me a hope and a future, as Jeremiah says. See, God's new does, doesn't exist to make us comfortable, though He provides for us. God's new doesn't exist to allow us just to settle, though he wants our hearts to be settled. See, God's new calls us out. He calls us out of the familiar. He calls us out of the comfortable. He calls us out of the mundane. And listen to this, church. He calls us out of the past. He calls us out of the past and into the future he has for us. God's new is awesome. But we got to look for it. We have to look for it. God does not force his new on us. And, and you might be wondering, well, what, are you, what are you referencing? We're going to get there in a minute. And I'll just tell you right now, a lot of this is going to be personalized for you. I'm going to give some big picture, broad perspectives. But a lot of these gaps are going to be filled in because you have a relationship with Jesus. That, that God will speak to you directly. And I'm so thankful for that because I cannot possibly hear from God for all of you. God wants to speak to you directly. So I want to give some, some overarching, some big picture things, and then God will give you the opportunity to fill in some of the details. Isaiah 43 says this, starting in verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. There's a whole sermon right there. Right? And you're probably thinking about whatever that is right now. Forget the former things. It's amazing to me how easy it is to remember the past. How easy it is to remember the past. I was a, at a Christmas party recently and I was supposed to share an embarrassing story and I was like, Man, I can't, I can't remember anything, like anything embarrassing at the, in the pulpit. And, and a whole bunch of our team that were there were like, oh, we do. I'm like, great, thanks. We remember, we can go back 20 years for those of us that are old enough. We can go even back even further than that and remember things that didn't go the way we wanted them to go. Disappointments, hurts, 
struggles. And God says to Isaiah, he says, and as Isaiah communicates to the children of Israel, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past because we can get stuck. Now listen, it's not that the past doesn't matter, but the reality is we can't live in the past and move into what God has for us in the future. That God's desire is to bring healing for the past so that we can be free to walk into what he has for us in the future. So in verse 19, he says, see. Would you say that with me? See. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is doing a new thing. Here the context is, is Isaiah is prophesying over Israel who were in captivity in Babylon. This nation that belongs to God who's been set apart for his purposes. This prophetic witness of God's love during that time who had come out of Egypt, had occupied and taken the promised land and dwelt in the promised land, but they lost their way. And they started doing their own things and doing things that were wise in their own understanding. And they started walking away from God and ultimately lost their inheritance. And Babylon comes and takes Israel captive and they, they haul them off to Babylon. And so the children of Israel are once again living in captivity. They're not in their own land, once again struggling with identity, once again struggling with even conceiving of a future that looks brighter one than what they have right now. And Isaiah speaks these words from the heart of God to them. Stop worrying about the past. Stop worrying about the past. The other day we were watching at our house uh, the movie Invictus about Nelson Mandela in South Africa in the 1996 South Africa World Cup rugby team that um, after having been out of international competition for years and years and years because of sanctions and apartheid, come back onto the scene and, and beat New Zealand in one of the greatest upsets of rugby and, and sports history. And and all throughout it, the narrative of Nelson Mandela, how he used rugby to unify a nation. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful movie. One of the things that keeps coming up is how did this man who was imprisoned for decades emerge from this little jail cell on Robben Island just off the coast of Cape Town? How did he emerge from that little jail cell to be thrust into the limelight and then to be elected the first black president of South Africa and then to stand in that place, in that position and the authority he had and start speaking love and reconciliation. He did things that were unprecedented on the continent of Africa in regards to racial healing and rec reconciliation. And in the movie, one of the things... That, uh, that he's asked his secret service, his bodyguards, when they find out that they would be working with white bodyguards as well, who represented the former regime. His head of security comes and he says, how can, this, how can you do this? And he says to him in Afrikaans, he says, what is, what is verbe is verbe. What is behind us is behind us. That thinking changed the nation. But it wasn't Nelson Mandela's idea. That comes right here from Isaiah. Forget about the past. If we live stuck in the past, that past will dictate our future. And God is saying, I have delivered you from the past. I've delivered you from bondage. I've delivered you from those things. And, and here's the reality. Israel messed up. They had their inheritance in the palm of their hand. And God had told them, if you follow my decrees, if you follow my laws, if you, if you obey me, it will go well. But if you choose to disobey, it's not going to go great. And they chose to disobey. And they lost it. And even in this statement, God is saying to the children of Israel, you can even remember the mistakes you made, but I want you to stop. 
because I have something for you ahead. The compassion and the mercy of God, even as we read about before, new every morning. That our mistakes do not become limitations to God. Your mistakes are not limitations to God. He, he can still work with you. Come on, somebody, that's good news. Because some days all I do is I wake up thinking about what I messed up doing the day before. And it weighs on me, and I'm sure it weighs on you. God says to the children of Israel and to us, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Why? See, I am doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? His encouragement to them is, open your eyes. You're so busy looking back here that you're missing what I'm doing right in front of you. You're missing it. You're not seeing it. You're not even perceiving it. I am getting ready to make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I believe that the Lord, even as he was speaking through Isaiah prophetically to the children of Israel, is speaking prophetically to us this morning. 2018 and 2017 and 2016 and maybe even 1988 and 1983. We'll just stop there. We won't go back any further than that. Maybe it felt like that season was a wilderness and a wasteland. It may feel like there was no life, that nothing fruitful came out of it. And God is saying, Forget what is behind because I'm about to make a way through the wasteland and through the wilderness and do something amazing in your life. And I can say that confidently for every single one of us. Not because it's my idea, because it's God's idea. Because His Word tells us that's His heart for us. But we have to look for it. That's the title of the message, Looking for the New. Looking for the new. Do you not perceive it? You see, church, we can miss where God is working if we're not looking and listening. God doesn't stop working. He never stops moving on our behalf. In fact, all throughout from, from the, the sin in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve being cast out all the way to the cross, God was moving. People missed it. People miss Jesus right in front of them. But that didn't stop God from moving because he loves us. So I want to give you three quick points this morning, some practical things for you as you look at this new year, as we enter into this new year, and I'll say this right, right up front, is today is kind of the setup for the series that's starting next week. We're going to be starting a series through January called Shine, Shine. We're going to talk about how God's called you to shine like stars, to shine like that city on a hill, to let your light shine, right? We might even sing the song. <laughs> but there's some work that needs to happen before we get there. So the first is this, number one, get in a place to look and listen. You have to posture yourself in such a way that you can see and perceive. If I'm looking backwards, I'm not going to catch what's happening over here. If I'm distracted by the fear, if I'm distracted by the stress, if I'm distracted by the busyness of my life, and I never get time alone with God, if I never put myself in a place where I'm having a conversation with Him, where I'm alone in His presence, I guarantee you, I will miss and you will miss what God is doing. He's not going to force it on you ever. He will make it as obvious and as plain as possible, but he will not force his will on you. He's looking for you to engage him, to find a place to look and listen. As Isaiah says, see, look, perceive. Understand. How do we do that? We talk about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. The new year is a great time of the year to re-engage with the most important thing that you can be doing in your life. 
is spiritual disciplines. It's being with God, taking the time to, to build your relationship with Him, to hear His voice. We do that through prayer. We do it through the reading of the Word. We do it through fasting. We do it through worship. That these spiritual disciplines sustain us, that they're essential in the life of the believer. That we can't hear the voice of God if we're not listening and reading His Word. If we're not stopping and taking time to pray. And so we have to be in a place where we're hearing, where we're de developing those disciplines. And they are disciplines, aren't they? They are disciplines. Because there's, uh, come on, like we're coming through Christmas and the new year and gosh, there's a lot of food. There's a lot of food. It's just like everywhere we went, I'm like, really, more, more chocolate? Really? Okay. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Because it's, you know, you don't want to be rude. Right? Hey, I made this pie. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to insult you and not eat your pie. Right? No one shows up at the party with broccoli. Come on. Or maybe they do, and we just didn't perceive it. Um, in the same way, it's discipline. It's discipline to say no. To, and, and, and I don't have to list off the distractions. There's a myriad. There's all kinds of things vying for your time and your attention. But God covets time with you to speak to you, to download into your heart, into your soul, his thoughts about you, so that you would hear his promises, so that you could see what it is that he's doing. And by the way, one of the things that you can't do is just say, listen, I haven't been spending time with God this year, but this, this week I'm going to spend some time with God. My expectation is he's just going to completely download the plan for this next year and we'll be good to go. It's not the way he works either because he's more concerned about the relationship than he is about the results. He's more concerned about the relationship than he is about the result. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We even do that in our relationships with each other. What can I get out of you? How can you benefit my life? And I don't really care about the relationship. And when your usefulness has kind of run its course, well, then the friendship's up for grabs. Ouch. God says, I'm more interested in the relationship than the result. So we need to spend time in prayer. We need to minimize the distractions. I want to introduce you guys to something this morning. I know that, I mean, we're all wired differently. I grew up in church and I recognize there's, there's disciplines and there's ways of meeting with God that just work for me. In fact, there's whole studies that have been done about some people need to be outdoors in nature sitting under a tree like David, right, playing a, a harp. If you have a harp, more power to you. Right, some people need a completely quiet and solitude and alone. Some people need to sit in Starbucks. And then that's the place where they're most engaged. Uh, we're wired differently, and that's okay. And we need to meet God in the place that, that's best for us. I, I like saying it. I heard someone say, say it this way. Is God speaks your language. God speaks your language. I grew up as a kid in church trying to, trying to speak a different language. And I remember even as an adult having gone through Bible college and being in ministry, and I finally realized that, that God speaks Barry. He does. One of my favorite places to meet with the Lord is in my garage standing at my workbench. It's, I love it. I, my hands are busy and I'm just tinkering with stuff. And God will just download stuff into my heart and into my soul. But I tell you what, you put me in a quiet room, right? Maybe a little soft music going on and it's nap time. It's just, it's just the reality. Now, there's times where I discipline myself to study, but I also know when my soul just needs to be refreshed in the Lord, I get into a good place. For me, one of the things I was introduced to this last year, and I shared a little bit about it, was the Lectio Divina journal. Um, I, I have struggled with journaling my whole Christian walk. The idea of a daily devotional quiet time and, 
and journaling has just not come easily to me. I always am blessed by it, um, but it's not been an easy thing for me. Lectio, though, kind of introduced me to a new way of engaging with the Lord that has really refreshed me and has been really neat. Um, Patrick Crowder, Patrick and Mindy are part of our church. Patrick, would you wave your hand? He's, he's preached here a couple of times, and they led a communion for us. Patrick and Mindy are uh, a part of this congregation. They're leaders within our denominations, but they're also hearing the voice of the Lord in regards to something new in their lives. Um, they're starting a ministry called Healthy Pastors, and they, uh, they have a heart and a desire to invest in the lives of pastors. They sit with pastors all throughout the year in different contexts and environments where they just get to pour into the lives of pastors and, and speak encouragement. Uh, a lot of pastors are just struggling, just really struggling, burned out, struggling in their marriages. And Pat and Mindy do an amazing job of sitting with couples and individuals and, and just helping to, to navigate some of those obstacles and, and speak life. Um, the Lectio Divina, this, this is a custom journal, at least the cover is a custom uh, journal uh, component. The whole custom journal is coming eventually, right? Um, but they, they produce these along with the, the, the folks who produce the Lectio Divina journals. And we wanted to make these available to those of you who would want these this morning. Um, and here's, here's the, bon the bonus with it. Uh, we get to support a ministry. We get to support something that's going to happen outside of the four walls of this church and, and really impact the body of Christ. And Pat and Mindy are part of our congregation, so it's a pleasure to be able to, to bless them. These journals, there's instructions on how to go through it. Some of you like to do the, the life journal or the solid life journal. There's all kinds of great tools. You can use the Bible app. Find what works for you. Uh, if this appeals to you, we have these available at the back. We're asking uh, for a $15 donation, and that money, that $15 goes to support, really it's seed money that goes into the work that they're starting this next year and some things that are coming, and we'll share with you along the way. Um, if you can't afford that this morning, don't let that stop you from grabbing a journal. Um, Patrick's heart is that you would just have this available to you to get into the Word. It's a daily devotional um, and, it's, and it's a great tool, an easy way. But like I said, there's other ways. Find what works for you. Find what works for you. Get time in the Word. You cannot stand on God's promises if you don't know God's promises. You cannot stand on His promises if you don't know His promises. And He's got a lot of great promises for you. He wants to speak to you. Uh, along with that, by the way, Get in a place, you know, this is a good place to hear the voice of the Lord. It's not the only place to hear the voice of the Lord, though. Right? We don't eat once a week. Right? But there's some times where you go out for a meal with a bunch of people, and it's a lot of fun. That's what this is. And so don't neglect that fellowship and coming together, because God will speak to you through each other. And then take time even to study and press in a little bit deeper to the things of the Lord. So get in a place to look and listen and to perceive what God is saying. The next thing is this. Write down what you hear. Write it down. Especially as you get older, right? Oh, man. People are like, hey, what, what happened yesterday? Um, I, and I have to stop and think about it. Write down, I think it's amazing to me that we try and commit to memory the things that God is speaking, and we can't contain it all. So get a journal. Get a place where you start writing down what God is speaking to you. He will encourage you, but here's the thing, church. He wants to do a new thing, new vision, new call, or maybe just reviving a call on your life from years ago. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation, the vision. Write down what you hear and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, for it will certainly come and will not delay. Again, the prophet here, speaking of, of Israel and what God is doing, 
in the nation of Israel, but it applies to us as well, that God, the way that he works is consistent throughout history. And so what he's saying to us is, I want to speak to you, and I want to bring revelation in your life. I'm going to start giving you direction about where I'm calling you to go. But, but take it seriously enough to actually put pen to paper. You do not have to get a stone tablet out with a chisel, right? Now think about how hard that was. Like for us, we just write, jot things, that we jot, right? I jot this and I jot that. For them to, to write something down took incredible work and effort and cost. But if it was, an import, it was important enough to know, they would invest that time and effort. God wants to download into your heart his vision and his desire and his call for your life. You need to be ready to write that down. To start journaling and cataloging and, and, and putting in a chronological kind of a timeline saying, look at God spoke along the way. And look how he connected the dots. Here's the thing, Abraham, we talked about him. God said, leave your land and I'll show you where I'm going to take you later. And along the way, God did amazing things in his life. Write down the revelation and make it plain. Why? So that when you read it, you can run. And here's what I know for all of us. If God has a call on your life, and he does, so just settle that. God has a call on your life. We are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. He has a vision for your life, but that vision and that call and that purpose doesn't involve you, just you. It involves other people because we are connected. We are a part of a body. But when, when God speaks vision into your life and someone says to you, hey, what's God been speaking to you? You need to be able to go, hey, let me share with you and make it plain. Why? Because they, they might be a partner and what God is calling you to do. And you never know who that person is. You never knew, know who that person was. I was talking to Gary Keene, our missionary in Kenya. Um, and he had a friend, uh, another missionary there in, in Nairobi, who, uh, you know, one of the things that you do as a missionary is you fundraise. And it's hard work. You have countless coffee meetings where you cast vision and hope that people will definitely pray for you, but then also support you financially. And most of those meetings, you get the love to pray with you, and, and that's it. And it's, and it's just, it's, you put your heart into it, and it can feel defeated, defeating it sometimes because you believe in your vision, right? And so you're sharing the story of this, this other missionary in Kenya who had gone, come home on a fundraising trip and he met with people over and over and over and over again and it just seemed like nothing came out of it. One of those meetings that didn't go particularly as planned and didn't seem you know, in any way significant or spectacular, this guy had done such a good job of sharing his vision that this other gentleman was able to take that vision and re-communicate it to someone else. And that guy wrote a check for a million dollars. Why is it important that we write down the vision and make it plain? The vision's not just for you. And as you start sharing what God is doing in your life, and you start, maybe there's provision there's needed, or there's a team that needs to come together, you'll start finding that God will release that, even as other people are able to communicate your vision. And you might be thinking, well, it's just, Pastor, it's just me. I just, I just go to church. No, you are the church. And God has you on mission where you are. And I would say the words of Isaiah, the words of the Lord through Isaiah to you. See, do you not perceive what God is doing? See, it springs up. I believe 2019, God is going to call some things to spring up in your life that maybe you've never seen before. And then he's going to call you to run with it, to write it down. So asking, what is God saying? What is God saying? 
And maybe you read a passage and something really sticks out to you, or maybe there's something that stirs in your spirit, and you're like, Lord, I, I don't know if, that's, if I'm hearing from you or not. Well, the next day you're in the Word, and the next week you're in the Word, and the next time you're in prayer, what you're going to find is He will start confirming and affirming His call on your life. And you'll start connecting the dots. You remember the little connect the dots? Right? You look at the page and you're like, it's numbers and dots. But you start drawing the lines and all of a sudden there's a picture that emerges. And sometimes, God, we just want Him to be a big dot. Just one big dot. And He goes, no, there's lots of dots along the way. And I will allow a picture to emerge. And I'm going to give you vision for your life. I'm going to give you vision for your family. I'm going to give you vision for your marriage. And I'm going to give you vision for your ministry. And by the way, he's going to give you vision for your family and for your marriage before he gives you vision for your ministry. Always. That God will not sacrifice your family and your marriage on the altar of ministry. I've heard that said in the church before, and it breaks my heart. God is committed to your marriage. God is committed to your family, and he wants to invest in those and make sure those are strong, and so you have to develop that. And here's the thing. There's usually a gap between the revelation and the realization. There's usually a gap. It doesn't always happen right away. Sometimes that gap is hours or days or decades. And he says, wait for it. Wait for it. If God has spoken and you can stand on his word, nothing, nothing, nothing will shake you. We have Stacy Knapp with us this morning. She's visiting. Come on up here, Stacy. <clears throat> for those of you who don't know Stacy, Stacy is a dear friend of Megan and I. Um, but it's also a part of our church at a distance. Here, I'm going to give that to you. Um, we've known Stacy for 20 plus years. It's been a long time, 25, 26 years. Um, she was at our wedding up in Washington. Slept in San Francisco Airport overnight. Yes, amazing. Um, and we've watched uh, and, and just celebrated with Stacy, especially over these last few years, is the Lord started stirring in her heart a vision and a call. Stacey, you worked at National Church Office for Foursquare and Human Resources for yes. how many years? 16 years. 16 years. 16 years. That's my career. Yeah. HR career. But then yeah. God burst something in you. Yeah, I think it's, it was, now I look back, I've seen how Lord's worked every step of the way. But even when I worked in the office, I knew there was an opportunity to serve the Lord within the music industry. And I thought it was just going to be my side thing, a side ministry. Like it's, it's tucked. Not everyone knows about it, but it's something I do in the off hours, maybe during, um, you know, on the weekends or in the evenings. And, um, but I knew, and I didn't know it existed. I didn't know anything. I just thought, how about a chaplain to artists or producers or recording engineers or anyone in the industry? Uh, just there's an opportunity. People that may not be able to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah. And so the Lord just kind of through those 16 years, uh, there are moments where I uh, tried to ditch mm -hmm. a little here. Yeah. Um, kind of moving out of the way and things like that. Um, so, yeah. So after all of those years, and, and what I love is as she's talking about the thing that God's put on her heart, there's emotion there. It's, right, there's compassion for the people that God's called you to, for the community that God's called you to. Um, and I remember, because we, we've talked all through this journey, um, going, okay, I feel like God's leading me to the next step, which means actually quitting my job, a good career, and by the way, you're really good at it too. And not, I've, I mean, we've just heard, like, the, the reports of state, everyone knows and loves Stacy. And God says, it's time to leave that, to step out. And I remember we talked about income and talked about, um, so Stacy works with an organization called RIFO, which is a part of CRM, which is called no Novo, to no, make new. To make so, no there you go. To make new. Um, and is a missionary to that community, to the, the artist community, which means that she raises her support just as a missionary does. Let me tell you, going from a career, a paying job with benefits, 
to raising support is a huge leap. Is a huge leap. But has, has God taken care of you? Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it was within two weeks of when I was going to be my last day. Um, Pax, my husband, we talked about it. We've been talking about moving to Phoenix because of the lower cost of living. But he got a job within a week and a half mm-hmm. there. And um, there was that worry, retirement, benefits, mm-hmm. health insurance for, you know, $40 a month uh, for both of us and um, leaving all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even there was, <laughs> there was that amazing sermon, I remember, where um, God's calling Abram, and Barry talked about it, leaving the familiarity, family. I'm born and raised here. I am the third generation L.A. raised. Uh, my great-grandparents came here from Japan, and we have stayed here. We have not, well, we left, well, my family did leave, but they came back to L.A. Mm-hmm. I'm what they call Asian, L.A. Asian. Um, so, okay, and let's just talk about the T-shirt. I know it's just fiesta, siesta. That is like me. I am. I feel like I really identify with the Mexican culture because growing up in L.A. And so that's why. Yeah, yeah we read this, but um, but um, but all I just say is that it literally is going to another culture for me. Yeah. Um, uh, I. I you know, 16 years, even though it's a hard, it was commute as all these things, but it was what I knew, mm-hmm. the people I knew. I mean, the fact that I, I'd been driving from Santa Fe Springs to Glendora for church because of familiarity mm-hmm. with, with the Mulock family. Uh, so moving to a place that I'd nev- I never spent more than a week at a time, um, not seeing the same people, working from home, not having conversations across the table or across my desk or sitting next to people. Um, everything's virtual. Um, some people like that. And not that I, I love it now, but then it was just a huge change. Mm-hmm. And that was not something even just in my family we're not used to. My parents literally just sold their house after 41 years in that house. Wow. And, and that was huge so moving away and that's why probably i'm here what every few months or so because yeah. <laughs> the family yeah. family you guys family um that it's, it is all for me to step out of that but knowing full well god has my back right god has my back and he is my source god is my source and the people he chooses to uh to partner with me in this ministry, those are res- people people of resource to me. But we're in this kingdom work together. Amen. So when I'm praying with a, a, an artist before they go on to their show, laying hands on them, I tell them, this is not just Stacy. These are people. I've got this prayer intercessory prayer team along with financial partners who are in there with me. Mm-hmm. And I tell them that. And their eyes light up. They care about me. They do that? I said, yeah, I can't do this on my own. And they are surprised. These are people that don't even know Jesus on a personal basis. They know there's a God of some sort. But they are overwhelmed by that. They're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, why do they do that? Oh, because we're compelled to, because of the love that we have um, for, for the Lord and what he's doing in our lives. And for each of them, they represent their own communities, but they believe in the work that God's doing in my life, in me, and within uh, the community of artists and in the music industry. Amen. You know what I love is that as we walk through the process with Stacy and just got to be her pastors for a season um, and definitely friends, and as we processed the next steps, it was all of the connections, all of the relationships, all of the words from the Lord, every, the, the sermons, the, the, the songs that were sung, that the, as that picture started emerging, to be able to celebrate with her and with Paxton as they took that next step. And now to hear the stories of what God is doing, it's a powerful thing, but it didn't happen overnight. No, not at all, overnight. not at all. In fact, it was years ago. Okay, so I am... Shameless, uh, Lincoln Park fan since 2001. And, and um, yeah, and so because of that, back in those days, they had uh, online forums, and I got to know different people online, and people would randomly 
um, send me private messages. I know you don't know me, but this, this, this. And they're sharing things with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, what makes you think I'm going to listen to you? But it's because of, the, of how I was to them it, right. in this online community. I had no idea that I was impacting lives that way. And so uh, um, it is... So even in that, it, back in early 2000s, I knew there's an opportunity to serve this community, um, not just the artists, but also the fans that follow them. And so RIFO is about that. It's, it's impacting, um, shape, helping shape identity of these artists um, so that they would understand who they are as an artist and then um, understand that they have an impact within our culture. That's right. uh, if you think about culture, you think about what shapes our culture, you look at top Twitter accounts, online platform, you know, uh, media platforms. All, all of those people have influence in our culture, and so um, for us, for us in Rifeo, for me to see um, their lyrics even changing, yeah. some of their lyrics are changing, um, their lifestyles are changing um, because they know who they are. So Barry's talking, Pastor Barry's talking about knowing the promises of God. Right. Shaping, that's shaping my, our minds and our right. thoughts and who we are and understanding God's truth um, in our lives. It's, it's powerful. And some of these artists, just they, they're not there yet, but that's okay. It's a process, just like God's process and his individuals, you know, within each of us is different too. So good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hang on. We, you might not know this, but she needs support. <laughs> um, Megan and I are... are so honored to be able to be prayer partners and financial partners um, and just being able to support a little bit. We support Stacy as a church, um, our council. Uh, uh, we, we had sat and heard Stacy's vision and vision is compelling and, and just oozes out of you. <laughs> it just oozes out of you. And, um, and so we're, we're, we're honored to be able to partner with Stacy in the work that she's doing. So she's functioning as a missionary out of Thrive Church. But I wanted to give you an opportunity as well. Uh, maybe you didn't know that, op that, that, that there was place for that. And even as she shared her vision this morning, if you feel like God is compelling you to have a conversation with Stacy, please do that. In fact, I'm going to just volunteer you to be at, back at the Hub. Also, Patrick's going to be at the Hub after service as well. If you want to talk to him more about uh, healthy pastors. See, what, what we want to do is in, in our church create an environment where we're, we're like a, a vision incubator, right? These are just two examples. There's others. But what, God, what is God calling you to? Thank you yeah, so much. You. Your blessing. You. So, so talk with Stacy afterwards. Um, connect with her online, uh, Facebook. She, she shares updates all the time. We get prayer requests from Stacy. She'll be going to a concert or a show and we'll send out a prayer request saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with in this. And, and uh, it's amazing just to be able to, from a distance, step in and be a part of that. But there's a gap between when you start receiving the vision and you actually walk it out. There's a gap. There was a gap for Abraham. And I think the gap's important because I think if we knew the destination, we'd try and find the shortcut, right? If we knew the destination, we'd try and f find the shortcut. And, and God doesn't want us to take the shortcut. He wants us to take the journey that, needs to, that he intends to get us there. And that's the final point this morning. Take the next step. As God starts speaking to you, take a step. I think one of the things we struggle with as a culture is we just want to do it all now. What's the fastest, easiest, cheapest way to get this done? Come on, right? My house needs to get fixed. My car needs to get fixed. My body needs to get, get fixed. What's the fastest, easiest, cheapest way to get this done? And God isn't about fast, easy, or cheap. He's all committed to the process because the process does something in our lives. That he develops something in us along the way that we critically need for the assignment that he's called us to. And if we shortcut it, he just has to take us all the way back. Sometimes our, our lives can feel like this cosmic game of shoots and ladders, right? 
and you're like, I'm back, I'm forward, I'm up, I'm down. And God's going, I'm in the midst of it. I'm meeting you in the midst of this because I'm doing something to get you to where you need to be. We can't take shortcuts. So take the next step. Well, what does that look like? It depends on you. And it depends on what God is speaking to you. So maybe the next step is just having a conversation with someone. To risk actually saying out loud the things that God has put on your heart. And I would say a safe person, a person who will listen, but say, hey, let me just run something by you. By you. This is what God has kind of been putting on my heart. If you're married, married, your spouse is the right place to start. If your spouse isn't on board, you're, it's not the right season. In fact, your next step then is very obvious. Your next step might be doing something to work on your marriage, enrolling in a class. Your next step might be signing up for the Genesis class. Your next step might be simply reading a book. Finding something that's been written on the subject that you're interested in, the thing that you feel like God is calling you to, that might be a, a next step. Maybe it might be enrolling in school, going back to school, or just taking a class to be stretched. Maybe your next step is getting out of debt. I think one, debt is one of the greatest restrictors of vision being released in the church in America. I would if I could, but I can't because I've got this debt. And God did not design us to be saddled with debt. And so make a plan, take a step, make some choices to start moving towards what God has for you so that you can see it, that you can perceive it, so that you can write it down, and then you can start walking it out. Walking it out. God has incredible things in store for you this year. And I want to encourage you as we close. You might be feeling right now like, well, this message was some, for someone else. I believe that the enemy would want to bring discouragement. That's not for me. Pastor, you don't know where I've been, what I've done, how far I've come. I'm just happy to just kind of write it out. But that's not God's best for you. Can I just speak life right now? God has a plan and a call and a purpose for your life beyond what you can imagine or dream. And we would love to partner with you as a church family in calling that out and seeing that released. My dream is that we would have a, a stage, a platform full of Stacy's and Patrick's and others who've stepped out saying, look what I'm doing. And by the way, if that means you have to leave, to leave this church to go somewhere else to do that, I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm more than okay with that. I believe as we're faithful in, in releasing people to their vision and the, and the call of God on their life, that he's going to bring more people that he can entrust to do that same thing. But we get to do that together. Amen? Let's stand together as we close. So I have homework for you. Yay, homework. Would you take some time over this next week, especially as you celebrate the new year? Would you take time to get away and get alone with the Lord? Would you spend some time in His Word? Would you just listen? Just listen for, take, take 20 minutes, take half an hour, take an hour, what's comfortable for you. Would you listen to what God is speaking and start writing it down? One of the things we do as a Foursquare Church each year is, uh, as a denomination is our, our president calls us to a season of prayer and fasting. So starting January 1st, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting. And there's something powerful when churches, not just as a church, but churches all over this country and even all around the world, take that first 21 days to commit to prayer. The prayer of the saints are lifted up, that, that darkness is driven back. That bondage is broken. 
that vision is released. And this is an easy way for you to participate in something over these next 21 days. There's a, a link, foursquareprayer.org. Uh, that the, this is also on the app. You can find that information on the app, and then it'll be in an email this week. But there's a devotional that comes out each day, each one of those 21 days. And, and I would encourage you, choose to fast something. Uh, maybe it's a meal. Maybe you fast a meal each day. Or maybe there's something, a, a food item, or even some technology that you choose to fast all the way through for those 21 days. But let's start this year off in a way, in a posture where we start hearing from the Lord and saying, God, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear what, what it is that you want to speak to us. Uh, as, a, as a denomination, we're it's a big year for us. There's a, there's a presidential election coming up, and we're going to be having some changes in our leadership. And so you can be praying for that, and you'll hear more about that as that goes on. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of moving parts, and you get to be a part of it. And so I invite you uh, to do that. Let's close in, in prayer this morning. Father God, we honor you. Thank you, God, that you are the God of the new that you are doing a new thing. And God, I pray that you would help us to forget the past, to stop looking backwards. Lord, if the only reason for us to look backward is to celebrate what you have done, but Lord, that our eyes would be turned forward, Lord. I pray that you would bring healing and restoration and wholeness, Lord, to every heart, to every soul, to every mind, to every relationship, so that we can walk into 2019, Lord, with our eyes fixed on you, so that we can see and perceive where it is that you're moving, so that we can join you in that. God, we ask that 2019 would be a year when vision and calling is released in this place as never before. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.